This episode of Finding Demo Surf Fishing is being brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. Head on over to dscustomtackle.com and take a look at all the gear and sub-equipment that they have for fishing and get your order in today. If you're a rig maker, they can get you completely supplied up with hooks, clips, swivels, even floats, whatever you need. They can do a massive order for it. You just want to get your hands on these new uh, glow-in-the-dark floats? Oh, yeah. Got you covered right there. So head on over to dscustomtackle.com, get your order in, and get set up for fishing. When it comes to listeners, I love these episodes that I get to talk to them. Because they are the people that have been playing this game probably for a lot longer than I have. And today's guest has definitely been fishing longer than I have. He's given me a, quite a few little lessons over the phone and tips and tricks. He's also just an all-around awesome dude. So we're going to be talking with JC Peoples. He is a local angler that has done seminars, other little bits of knowledge out there, TV, radio. If you look him up, you'll find it out. But we're going to be talking with him, and we're going to get into a lot of different fishing techniques all around the Gulf Coast area. So you're listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Here we go. Ah, yes. New episode, new week. Always good to be able to do this and keep bringing you fun stuff. I'm hoping that these shows and episodes are helping you out in the surf, helping you get your game more dialed in, catching more fish, especially as we're coming into the skinny months of fall and winter. We're going to have some really hot bites, and then it's going to die off a little bit. It's the perfect time to get your gear reset and also go after other species of fish. I've been, uh, so this guest this week, like I said, is JC Peoples. I've talked to him a lot. Uh, offline. Yeah, I'm very fortunate that he's still willing to take my phone calls. So <laughs> I'm never, never sad about that. And one of the things that first uh, got me introduced to JC was he had some uh, lures that he was like, hey, I want you to try these and threw them out to me. And sure enough, they're damn great. Uh, especially since I've been trying to get my lure game a lot tighter and play in that field more than just set rigs. Uh, I've been playing a lot more things. One of his rigs is sitting in my garage on a specific shelf for specific rod, and it's because it's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's coming out this winter, especially going to be uh, digging in for this tough fishery. But <clears throat> as I digress, we're going to get right into it because I'm just going to keep talking. So without further ado, JC, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Glad to be here, buddy. I'm just glad you said yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, how can I tell you no, bro? Oh, really easy. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be. I'm one of those. I got to help good people out. Oh, man. I'm, well, based on things we've talked about before, I mean, you've helped a lot of people with their fishing game, and you've been doing this your whole life. But um, I'll yeah. let you tell your story here. I'll get right into the very first question, and that is that one. Tell us your story and what got you into fishing. Oh, Lord. Oh, my pops. By the time I learned how to walk, uh, first pond fishing up here in uh, central Alabama. First fish I ever caught was probably, it would be a trophy bluegill to anybody, probably three quarters, maybe a pound. Of course, nobody weighed it. It went to the skillet. <laughs> uh, that's just the way it was because we're talking, a, you know, a couple of years ago. <sighs> Won't get into that one, but uh, yeah, you know, started off with pond fishing. My dad uh, got just in my blood. Yeah, makes uh, sense, sir. 
you know, I, one of the things, because I passionately bass fish for years, even, uh, you know, I can't tell you from the, in the mid-90s on up into the mid, like, 2007, 2010, something like that. You know, I've done tournaments of various different sorts of bass tournaments. And, uh, you know, done, like I say, done quite well, but, you know, it's just simply because I don't follow the norm. I have a tendency of uh, marching to a different band for most people when it comes to fishing. Okay. I step outside the borderline. A lot of people have even called me a googie, but that's okay. <laughs> they quit that shortly, usually afterwards. I don't mean to be bragging, but I usually catch fish with whatever I try. Well, it's not I don't bragging. Know if it's just God's grace. I don't know if it's just luck, but hey, I'll take it. Yeah, it's not bragging if I mean if you're putting the number up and putting the show on of hey, yeah, see. Prove it, doubt it, prove it. Uh, you, you can call me whatever you want if I'm beating you. Well, you know, about five or six years ago, I was actually down on the uh, Gulf State Park Pier down there in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And the, uh, you know, Spanish macro bite was okay. It wasn't real great. Throwing a bubble rig with a traditional straw like everybody else. I'm like, hmm, you know, I got to see the little bait flickering down there in the water and it had a good flash to it. I went over to my tackle box and I pulled out a little Yozuri. I can't even tell you the brand name of it, but it's a Yozuri, little old twitch jerkbait, little hard floating jerkbait. I put that thing on, everybody, oh, you know, that's where they really started hollering. Oh, that's Googling stuff right there. Oh, well, you know, won't hurt to try. Ain't catching much of nothing anyhow. And before you know it, I can't tell you how many people out there on the end of that pier were uh, putting on a little jerk bait as close as they could get to it and of course the Spanish and I caught Spanish mackerel on it. Hardtail. Even Bonita off the Gulf Shores Pier. Uh, I can't tell you. Countless ladyfish. I've caught so many ladyfish on that particular lure that the original hooks, they finally ripped the split ring clean off of it. <laughs> wow. But, you know, that's just kind of where that Googan style stuff comes in, and of course my unorthodox fishing techniques back during the bass tournaments. Everybody thought I was lying to them when I told them what I was doing. But until hmm. uh, you know, I come into the weigh-ins and I had a sack of fish, and I might not always won the tournaments, but I was always bringing fish in. I always had uh fish to weigh. It's kind of half the battle buddy. there I mean, with a fishing tournament. Is you may not have to have the biggest one, but I mean, can you bring in a fish consistently? Yes. All right, there you go. That, that's good right there. And I did. Uh, there again, nothing that I'm bragging because I'm actually quite a humble man. Uh, I can honestly say that I won more money in my tournaments than I paid out in entry fees. Okay, that's a win in I itself. Oh yeah, I don't know many people that can say that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know I can't. <laughs> or at least back back in those days, okay. You know, it's a we're talking a few years ago. Oh, not that long. Mid nineties, into on in the early two thousand. Okay. Well, well, I had my own sponsors and all that kind of stuff even back then. Uh, like Southern Lure Manufacturing, which used to belong to Dan Cunningham, but I found out here in the last year that he actually sold out to another company. I can't even remember what company it was, but they made the scum frogs. That was my specialty, scum frogs. Really? Loved it. Loved that frog fishing. Holy cow. <laughs> I know 
very, very little about freshwater to the fact that I'm not a very good freshwater angler. So, yeah, I'm not into that one. But right. let me, uh, now that you bring that up, let's move from there to here. What type of fishing do you like to do now? Nowadays, you know, uh, about seven, eight years ago, I give away just about all of my bass fishing stuff. Uh, I just, I, I don't know, I just launched the uh, passion for bass fishing. Nowadays, it's either uh, crappie fishing and uh, saltwater is my absolute favorite. Uh, you know, I've been dying to try to get moved closer so I can do a lot more saltwater fishing than what I get to do. Uh, flounder fishing being probably one of my absolute favorites. On saltwater fishing, especially with a uh, artificial, I will use your live bait, you know, your traditional bull minnows. Uh, but I love fishing the Fish Bites Fight Club Dirty Boxer. Oh, yeah, that, thing's, that thing is dangerous. Uh, oh, for flounder, it, you hear everybody holler, snook candy, snook candy. Oh, that uh, flounder candy right there. I'm going <laughs> to tell you right now. And they're way tougher than the Berkeley goat. Uh, I fished the Berkeley goat for years, and uh, a buddy of mine uh, introduced me to the Dirty Boxers. I watched one of his YouTube shows where he was actually, him and another guy were using gulp against fish bite, Dirty Boxers. And the Dirty Boxers was catching them like four and five to one to the gulp. He done another episode where he was showing in a swimming pool the action difference. And it's like the dirty boxer was hand down better and more action than the Berkeley Gold. Not saying Berkeley Gold won't work, it will work. I caught many a flounder on it. But uh, Fish Bite Dirty Boxer seems to be real good. I'm sure you're sponsored by them. They'll love me putting that out there. <laughs> uh, I mean, I am sponsored by Fish Bites. Yes, I am. Uh, you know, <laughs> give you a plug there, brother. Give you a plug. Hey, no, no, I'm just going to spit the truth. You know, that's one thing about it. I don't care. Back in my tournament days when I had my sponsors, if I didn't believe in a product, I didn't use a product, I did not take them on as a sponsorship. Exactly. Did not. Would not. And so, you know, <clears throat> and it wasn't nothing about the money. I didn't care. Whatever. It's, I'm not going to use something that's not going to benefit me. See, I thought more people would be like that. And, again, I'm not calling anybody out here. So before anyone, you know, feels that they need to put on the shoe and feel like, oh, you're talking about me. I'm, <laughs> I'm not directly, but if it fits. It's yeah, one, like all my show, all the people that sponsor this show are products that I use. And I believe right. in it because it's like if if I tell you that I use, you know, uh, Ninja Tackle, perfect example. Well, no, let's stay with Fish Bites. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Ninja Tackle is also awesome. And we all know I use their rods. But Fish Bites, I am sponsored yeah, by them. Days. And their yeah. product works. I mean, I, I you right. guys have seen me do pictures with it. Do I use other bait? Absolutely. I've used other bait. I use my shrimpies. I use all these things. But if I were to have an artificial bait and use it and be like, oh, well, they're paying me. I need to say it's good. But it's not good then I'm doing a disservice. So it, yeah. I think if you're sponsored by somebody, yes, that's part of it, but you really need to believe in it and love it and use it, and then it's all good to go from there. Right. Yep, I totally agree with you. It's like I've not got to try out any of the Ninja Tackle Daggers yet, but uh, one of these days, one of these days. Uh, yeah. I've what been steadily up in my saltwater fishing repertoire. I started off from 
a couple of rods that I picked up on eBay for like $10 a piece of eight foot rods that I used on a pier, done a little surf fishing with them, picked me up a couple of nine foot Okuma longitude, which I still use those. I, those I, are I like that Okuma longitude. Uh, it's mighty stiff, uh, but you know, and then of course, I've got a custom made seven and a half foot flounder rod made by Hobo Custom Rod sitting out in my shed that I have been dying ever since I actually won that rod on a giveaway from a YouTube channel. Nice. Is it okay if I give him a shout out? Dude, everyone gets a shout out. Absolutely. All right. All right. See, I, I, my I, old buddy over there, Captain Jody Waldorf at Bayou Bandit Charters, uh, one, one of his giveaways, uh, major giveaway. Uh, and that rod was part of it. And Chris Guy at Hobo Custom Rods, I'm going to tell you what. Some of y'all have probably seen the pictures that I posted on the Panhandle surf fishing page and the Alabama Gulf Coast surf fishing page. It is absolutely gorgeous. Those pictures do not do it any justice at all. Uh, and the action on that thing, like I said, I haven't gotten to get down there and hit them flounder yet, but I can tell you right now, it's it's, it's going to be super sensitive. You know, I can sit out there in my yard and I can test the sensitivity of a rod. A lot of people are like, how can you do that? Well, I, I've been doing this a long time. I learned how to make do with what I got when I got it. Yeah. Now, when it comes to shout-outs on this show, it everyone is open and open to take any shout-outs. It doesn't matter what company. Uh, you know, it, that's one of the things that I've made trying to hold core to myself is you know really was that if i'm not if i can't Jody say that actually got me turned on to the dirty boxers in oh okay <laughs> with the bayou bandit charters he uh done an episode with uh bun cave down there from pokemon oh yeah love and bun the, the flounder man episode y'all man between bun and captain jody and i even watch a lot of brandon collier captain colliers on youtube and them are some flounder fishing gurus right there and i sit there like a sponge they're all younger than i am but hey you can still teach old dogs new tricks trust yeah, me that's what that's that's the one great thing i love about this community is and especially with, with for this podcast you can do shout outs and bring people on and then you can get people to share the knowledge because everyone's got a different style of learning or different listening availability you know you can't really watch youtube while at work but you can sometimes listen to a podcast you know these sort of right. things you get that out there but all these guys and all these things you talk about that's important for me in this podcast world to be able to be open to letting that out so people can go back and look at these things and so yeah keep it up with that so uh let me move into you i'm going to move into a little bit of your steelage here into your brain how do you when you're going to go because i know you have to plan your trip from where you're at to when you get down here to the water how do you plan your fishing trips uh you know i kind of depending on the time of the year if it's uh springtime uh, I do love chasing those pompano just like everybody else does. Don't yep. you dare get me wrong. I'll, uh, you know, I'll put a set rig or two out, uh, which just this past, I think it was actually last year, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you posted a video, I think it was, uh, yes, it was you of the sinker guy, Chip Brundage, uh, showing how to do the mortician's fishing rig. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have not bought a pompano rig since then because uh, that mortician's rig is probably the most versatile that I have seen out there. It is limited only to what you can come up with in your mind to fish it and how to fish it. And 
all the other tackle in between of putting on there. It's all up to you and your mind. Yep. I'll tell anybody that. Uh, so depending, and, depending on your weather, so you, that you, where you're at there, depending on the weather and the season, okay, mortician yep. rink, what else? Where are we going? Uh, my preference by far, I reckon, call it from the, all the bass fishing days, I'm an artificial lure man. If I can catch it on a lure, artificial bait, it's like 10 times more gratifying than sitting there and watching a rig. I just I just can't sit there five minutes watching that rig sit there and soak. And I'm like, hey, I got to grab my jig. I got to chunk my jig. I got to. I ain't got. It's just in my DNA. I cannot just sit there and watch a rod. <laughs> it just drives me nuts to sit there and watch a rod for hours on end. And, you know, now they're popping. Okay. That's all good. I can live with that. But, and on that little bitty, I like that goofy jig for pompano with a, a fly teaser, which I tie all my old fly teasers that go with a like goofy jig, a banana jig, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Yeah, you've uh, been telling me about that for a while. Like, you mm-hmm. need to do it. You need to do it. Oh, I got to throw it. I can't help myself. I use a seven and a half foot rod with 20 pound braid. Uh, usually somewhere between a 3,500 and a 4,500 reel. I try to get me at least two to three hundred yards of line on there because I have caught some big fish on that uh, banana jig in the surf. Uh, uh, there again, I've shared a picture of me standing there holding a uh, a black drum that I caught there in Gulf Shores, probably about three, four hundred yards east of uh, the Gulf Shores Pier from the surf. And didn't weigh it, didn't measure it, got it off. Wife took a couple of pictures. Uh, crowd around me took some pictures, and I released him right back in there, healthy and fine. But you know, you take a little inch and a half, maybe two inch long banana jig, and you're catching. and And, and I would guesstimate him somewhere between a twenty to twenty five pound range, maybe bigger. I don't know. I'm trying to be conservative. And he go eat that little bit of thing, you know. Of course, I caught. Spanish mackerel on it. I caught pompano on it. I caught ladyfish on it. Blue runner. Uh, and now this might blow your mind. Actually, the day before I caught that black drum, I caught a cow nose ray on that thing. It was probably three foot from wingtip to wingtip. Wow. Uh, he actually bit the orange fly. No kidding. Wow. <laughs> now, that was a tussle. And it, it was in his mouth all day long. There was no questioning if I snagged him. Because a lot of people, they, you know, they're running big schools close to the surf. And I know a lot of people just get them snagged up in their line. But now he actually ate it. No it was kidding. in his mouth. Yeah. Well, let, let's, let's, let's play with the goofy jig here. Let, let's, let's nail that topic right. for a bit. So, you you've used it and you've told me numerous times like Brian you got to use it you you got to get out mm-hmm. there and use it um absolutely so how do you fish a goofy jig in the surf well uh two different ways that I'll actually tie it up like I say I use a seven and a half foot rod and I usually run about uh three to four foot of a twenty pound either mono or fluorocarbon leader I'll either tie the jig and the fly together on a loop knot or 
I'll actually make a dropper loop about eight to 10 inches above the goofy jig and put the fly on the dropper loop. And that's what that cow nose ray hit was at about eight inches above the uh, goofy jig itself. Uh, depending on your current, I would say all around good weight was probably going to be your half ounce. You know, some days you need to go lighter. Some days you're going to absolutely have to go heavier. Uh, but there are plenty out there. I think most of the time you can find them anywhere from three eighths ounce all the way up to uh, one ounce. And the colors, wow. Uh, get out there and look on some of the websites of the people that offer it and make them. Uh, colors are endless. Excuse me, I sh uh, think I showed you a picture of my, yeah, I did send you yep. a picture of my little banana jig box, you know. I got a rainbow in there. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> so from gold and white to the brightest pink and chartreuse, you know. Uh, I do, I, I, I kind of prefer the the yellow jig with the orange teaser has what I've always done the best with, me personally. Okay. So you cast it out there, getting on the weight, got all that piece. So you, you cast it out. Now, how are you retrieving it? I let it hit the bottom. I just bounce it up off the bottom. Usually I'll just put one little bounce. You know, I don't want it to jump far off the bottom, maybe 10, 12 inches. And uh, sometimes I maybe double or triple hop it where you'll get it up a little higher. As anything, you kind of have to let the fish dictate how they want that lure to move, whether they want it kind of slow uh I've even seen people just drag it across the bottom and I always tip it with uh, either some people tip them with shrimp. I myself, because I have a bad, you know, that stuff would just sling off because I throw that thing out there just as far as I can, which I'd be safe to say if the wind ain't in my face, I'm probably getting close to 100 yards on uh, a cast. I know that sounds crazy with a seven and a half foot rod, but. You no, take care of your equipment. You get good equipment. That's <laughs> not a problem. I've done that with the seven foot dagger several times. There you so, go. Yeah, no, it's all not. Right. That's not out of the box at all. Right, but I'll usually either tip it with uh, just a little piece of uh, fish bites or fish gum, one of the two, whichever I've got available. Uh, you know, just to give them a little extra something or another. Because, like, even in my crappie fishing, if the crappie are short striking my bait, I put scent on my bait and time and time again adding scent to an artificial bait will make a fish commit some days it just doesn't matter they're hungry they're popping they don't care they're going to eat it you get it in their face they're going to eat are you tipping so, are you tipping the banana the, the weighted portion or are you tipping the, yes. the teaser no just the uh the the lead portion the ba uh, banana jig itself not the teaser okay and uh, it, I can't can't say that it hurts. It always helps if you got scent. Uh, I've caught them with it on there. I've caught it with them not on there. <clears throat> the people that usually just kind of drag the bait across the bottom. Like I said, I haven't tried that a whole lot. I've done it some, but I have a bad habit of catching cotton picking hard heads or top sails when I do that. <laughs> you know, so I try to keep I try to keep it up off the bottom. Okay, but like everybody else. I'm not out there to catch him catfish. If, I, uh, if I'm that haul I'm catching, I'm moving. Yeah. So you're launching it out about 100 yards, and then you're doing yep. you know a couple bounces off the bottom. You're not doing a very fast retrieve. You're just doing kind of a pop-pop 
uh, or pop and a little bit back, pop and a little yep. bit back. You're, uh, it's not quick. No. Now, now, some days I'll go, you know, pretty quick pop, but you've always got to keep it right on the bottom. You don't want that bait to be very high up in the water column because, as we all know, pop and no are going to be feeding close to the bottom. And then some days I'll also tie it on with 40-pound mono, and that's when I'm having a hard time with Spanish mackerel because I can't tell you how many jigs that I've lost to Spanish mackerel and ladyfish running a 20-pound fluoro and mono. They'll just annihilate the 20 pounds like it ain't even there, like it's sewing thread. Yeah, that, that them teeth and those gill plates, they get you. Oh, man. And, it, and it's odd how a ladyfish can booger up a line as bad as they can, as quick as they can, oh, yeah. with no teeth in their mouth. But those, they, they are rough on it. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are not gentle at all uh, when it comes to any bit of line that... Uh, that you feed them, and I, I still don't understand. I, I've lost a couple lures due to not checking my line, and I've learned my lesson. Sometimes you got to learn it the expensive way. But that, that them, them ladies, they know how to mess you up pretty good, right there. Uh, totally. You know they're fun to catch, but when you get them in, holy cow, they make a mess because they're going to be bleeding, pooping, and you can't hardly get them to be still. So if you ain't careful, you wind up with a hook in your finger. Yep. And that's no fun. Just ask. You can that just can ask. Up a good day fishing. Yeah. You can just ask my friend Justin Reed fishing about that one. <laughs> there you go. Speaking of Justin, what about a set rig to the crotch area? Oh, never mind. I wasn't supposed to talk about that. But... Hey, it, it happens. You know, I've learned. I never stand behind him anymore. And that's, you know, sometimes that's just, that, uh, that, that was a good, valuable lesson learned. And that's, that's all good. <laughs> when I, I hate it. I watched that. And when I seen you was okay, I like to wet my trousers laughing, bro. I ain't gonna lie. Oh, I'm just glad uh, he didn't hit me harder. It was enough to be like, oh, that hurt. Oh, you know, and oh, then it was yeah. just back up. Oh, but, yeah. you know, giving a little bit more, it would have been god awful. That's for sure. Uh, this is the, you know what? This is the perfect time for this now that I think about it. It is your first bait check of the episode. This bait check is being brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at all the stuff that Chip's got going on in The Sinker Guy Garage. Sinkers? It's in his name. Yep, he's got them. He's got you covered. Not only that, he's actually got stuff for you to start pouring your own sinkers. That's right. He's got sinker supplies coming. Stand by for that. Anytime you or if you need baits, rigs, floats, the Bruno rig. Mm, we know the Bruno rig's good. And, hey, we're talking about the mortician rig on this show. You can get your hands on that. Got you all set up for the full-blown mortician and snoods. Maybe you need the sinker guy method beads. He's got that. So head on over to thesinkerguy.com, get your order in, get fast shipping, and good customer service. Well, now after I get in a nut check. <laughs> <laughs> you needed one every now and then, I reckon. Yeah, keeps you, it keeps you level. All right, so finishing up on the goofy jig here. Oh, let's keep going on it a little bit, actually. Uh, all right, so you've got two different, we've got the two different styles. You've got the one where you can go with yep. a single dropper loop, a little bit above mm-hmm. the uh, the weighted piece there, a little pop-pop, yep. good on the retrieve. The other one, which you normally get, like the ones that I get from, uh, the ones that I have from uh, Salty and um, Frisky are tied on to uh, the bottom as a single dropper with the opposing sides. Mm -hmm. So you've got the main weight. Let's say the hook is facing, you know, it's a backwards J, and then the teaser is an actual J. So as it's floating around, you've got that movement. The weight's going to hit, and the teaser is going to fall. Between the two methods that you mentioned, one with being a dropper loop and then the other way that we just talked about, have you found either one is better, or is it just, you know, luck of the draw? Uh 
personally, it's probably, I would actually, in my experience, say it's probably more of a look of the draw for whatever you're fishing at that particular time, honestly. Okay. Because uh, I've, I've caught just as many variety of species of fish one way as I had the other, including pompano. And like you're talking about where you have them both tied on with a single loop knot down at the bottom, I will actually vary the different sizes of my loop knot. Uh, I use, unlike most people, I use the old Rapala knot. Uh, of course, I can't show you here right now, but they That's, are the first ones it. that come out that I know of tying a loop knot with Rapala because they didn't have split rings on the uh, eyes of their Rapala jerkbaits that they used to make. They were all balsa, well, they still make balsa wood and all that. They did not have split rings. So, you know, they, that's where I learned it from, was from Rapala. They'd always have a little pamphlet in there showing you how to tie that knot in the box. And you can vary the size of it depending on where you tie the uh, half-inch knot in your line is what will kind of determine how to, or how far, how big your loop knot is. And I don't go no more than probably about six or seven inches, but with that, you're able to get a little more flutter from the uh, teaser, a little more action from that teaser because it'll get away from the actual banana jig a little bit. Well, when it comes to the surf and throwing these goofy jigs, would you say that it's an all-type condition lure or rig setup, or would you say, hey, it, you know, it's better suited for uh, wavy days? No, it, it, it'll work uh, calm or windy conditions, uh, in my experience. Uh, of course, you're trying to throw into the wind, you're not going to get as much distance out of your cast, depending on what weight you're actually throwing. You know, it can be kind of difficult to detect a strike till you go to hop the jig again, and then there's the fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I, if it gets too windy, it, it gets real difficult to fish artificial, especially if it's blowing like east to west, because it put a lot of bow in your line, which is going to make it real difficult to get a hook set when you got all that bow in your line, and even harder to feel the strike. Of course drastically has helped with uh, strike detection. Fishing any kind of fish, it doesn't matter. Uh, braided line is uh, only only time I do not use braided fishing line is when I'm crappie fishing. Uh, I stick strictly to mono fishing my jigs on uh, mono. Everything else has got braided line. Well, now you, you did a good transition there, so let's talk about your jigs. Um, you make rigs, and you make lures, you, You've been, but you do it for yourself. You're not selling them yet, which I'll eventually right. convince you to. But <laughs> so. I like, I'll tell you, you know, there's too many people out there, too many good products. I just make mine. Uh, it's just, I don't know, satisfying, uh, kind of a hobby. I've been coming up with my own lures. Uh, hey. When I was about 12 years old, let's step into this. Just briefly, I'll touch into it. You ever heard of the old Snagless Sally, which was a bass lure? No. Okay. A lot of people, they'll know what I'm talking about, old Snagless Sally. It's an inline spinnerbait. It's kind of like a rooster tail of sorts. 
but it's got a larger Colorado blade like a traditional spinnerbait would have. Well, real effective. But when I was about 12 years old, fishing farm ponds, creeks, and stuff like that, I don't know, it just come to my mind. I took a Johnson silver minnow, the weedless silver minnow, and took the skirt and hook off of the snaggle sally and put my Johnson silver minnow on there. And of course, I always put a uh, trailer on my silver minnow fished it and I started fishing that and holy cow you talking about changed my game up that just at farm ponds it didn't matter creeks river they would just wear it out because it was something they had never seen traditional snaggle sally like regular spinner baits fish get you uh you know especially freshwater they get used to seeing the same bait so that's why like I said earlier I kind of March to my own tune compared to everybody else. Okay, so you took that one. So that start mm-hmm. is that was that the starting point for you for making lures? Probably, probably. You know, and that one was just taking two lures and kind of altering them and putting them together. Uh, I would always, you know, I had cousins and uncles and stuff like that that they would pour their own jig heads and. Back in the day, you know, the biggest thing was marabou jig, hair jigs. Well, okay, I just take, give me some squirrel tails, deer tails, and I tie me up some of my old crappy jigs on their uh, lead heads that they had poured. And of course, you know, later on, I got where now I pour my own lead heads, we call them, for crappie. I do them with and without a weed guard, uh, depending on where I'm fishing, what kind of cover I'm fishing with I'm using of course with a weed guard or with that okay so I make a 32nd and a 16th ounce so I cover everything there is in uh crop fishing uh I think I've shared a couple of pictures of them on uh I know I have on the Alabama Gulf Coast and I may have even on the Panhandle surf fishing page I think I you remember. have I, I want to say I've seen them before on there it's but, been a minute it has been a minute because I've been with either one of those pages Ooh. Well, I put it this way, neither one of them, I don't think, was over a 1,000 subscribers when I joined them. <laughs> nice. Back in the beginning. And they're both up there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... yeah definitely. That's just kind of like uh, Bama Beach Bomb. I think I was definitely within his first 1,000, maybe 1,500 subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> and now look where he's at. Yeah, he's that man right there. He is the face of surf fishing. I will happily, I, I have no problem saying that. That man is very, very well done in the the world with social media and his YouTube game and spreading knowledge and information. Yeah, he's he's put a lot out there. He, him, him and uh, one of his other partners, uh, Brant Peacher. Yep. Anger up Brant. You know, they, they are a network of information, especially on surf fishing. They uh, put it out there. But Brant, he covers all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. He does. He was actually on their uh, their recent podcast. Yep. They just uh, Bama Beach Bomb and Bearded Brad just started podcast yep. uh, fishing, not catching, and they right. just had Brant on this past week. Did you watch that episode? Uh, I I did not. I listened to it. I'm oh still. I, I don't want. I, I still. I fall into the. I still don't want to sit in the uh, visual. 
um because i yeah. can't sit still uh <laughs> yeah i'm always moving now um so i actually listen to them on um apple podcasts i, I went down that route and i just listened to the show it's hilarious uh, especially when they got to play with those sound effects i like to <laughs> oh i just sitting there dying yeah. wife was looking at me like are you crazy what are you laughing about i'm like i, I have to show you explain it to you later it is they it was hilarious when i was playing with those sound effects they got to Doing their little shit little voices and all that kind of stuff like that. They talk like real fast when they own helium. Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I I think Matt likes the uh. I think I thought Matt liked the darker voice better. It might be Brad. Yeah. Brad well, it makes him sound bigger than what he actually is. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, there, Matt. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, his his their their podcast um it, it's less than six months old uh but they're doing they're doing good stuff and uh, I I know they're not going to stop they're definitely going to continue to grow and keep doing good things because they're, they're all, both of them are super knowledgeable anglers and they've got a ton of things to share. You know, you got them on YouTube that they, they've got that covered. Now you're combining forces and they're moving into the podcast world to continue on the growth. And I think it's smart personally. I mean, some people, I'm sure somebody's like, wait, you're, you're, you're propping them up. What the hell? I mean, in reality, why wouldn't I? I mean, they're two phenomenal anglers Great people. I absolutely love any time I get to talk to them offline. Um, but they're doing exactly what any of us would hope they would do, which is share knowledge on another platform to help people mm-hmm. get better. Right. Why absolutely. Why would I gatekeep that? that? That To me, they're not competition. They're in the same bo- – we're all in the same circle. We're all doing the exact same thing. If they get 100,000 subscribers and I get – a thousand. Should I be worried? No. I think it's phenomenal that they did that. That's great stuff. I'm just happy to be around. So it, it, I'm always I'm happy to promote them. If I can, <laughs> if one of you hasn't listened yet and hasn't subscribed, please do go check a look at them. They're great. They really are. They're doing good stuff. You can learn a lot from them, guys. Uh, just like uh, you know, hey, let's give a shout out to G2 Coastal Jordan Goody, super guy, super guy. Yeah, he is. Jordan is a lot uh, of really fun. And like I said, in Captain Jody Waldorf. Bayou Bandit Charters, Flounder Guru right there. Man, I got a lot of tags to do on this episode. My, my <laughs> fingers are going to hurt. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it's all good. So let's talk about some of your other rigs, though. So you've got the Goofy Jigs. I know that. You've also mm-hmm. got, um, you sent me, I, I don't want to call it a diamond jig. But well, it, it is. It's, it, it's a diamond jig, yeah. and I did not make that myself. Uh, I'm okay. not even going to sit there. You know, no, no, no. I didn't make that, and I... Uh, Oh, my gosh. I'd say about five or six years ago, maybe even longer than that now. It's probably longer than that. Probably about seven, eight years ago or better. Whenever I uh, really started to get in there hot and heavy on uh, pier fishing down on the Gulf Shores Pier, really hot and heavy when I really started learning something. Uh, I started upping my fishing gear to the heavier tackle where I could get out there and catch king mackerel and stuff like that. Well, I come across these. They're three-ounce jigs. Yeah. Uh, diamond jig and it's got a white bucktail looks like on a short shank i would guess probably a three maybe a four alt extra heavy hook super heavy hook i'm like hmm because one of my bucket list fish is a cobia i'm like okay that might be something there but if even if not that the king mackerel would hit that thing skimming it across through there real fast with that chrome flash this guy so i bought them uh i don't know i Picked them up for like maybe a dollar a piece on eBay. I ordered, I don't know, four, five, six of them. I'll give several of them away. But that's just me. I'm a giver, not a taker necessarily. But you modified but, 
you didn't just send me a diamond jig. You modified the tail end. No, it was it was bought that way. Oh, man. Now I'm come, all I'm sad. Sorry. Yeah, I got I to break your heart. Uh, I did not tie that bucktail on. I'm throwing it away it now. It was already that way. That's what <laughs> made me buy that. It was a single hook with a bucktail. So that, that just kept me from having to do the work. Because oh. I would have done something like that anyhow. Well, it's, well, well, I like, I my own teasers anyhow so and that's that's where i was going with this um mm -hmm. when you sent that to me uh I, I still didn't understand these things you know i was still watching matt's channel and you know he's right. out there with diamond jigs in the surf throwing them mm -hmm. and, and pulling them back um and and then i got you and i talked and then you sent me that one and, and several others which are i love your i love the other ones you sent me too because i'm like okay cool i can use this but that one caught my eye because i'm like damn this thing is so heavy it's a three ouncer and this is before i had um, a rod that I knew I could cast a, a three right. ounce with. Now I've got the, the uh, nine foot dagger, and I can throw a three ounce with it. Uh, and hey, you're right over to send it. Yeah. Send it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Especially like right now, the early mornings. You know, I've been seeing where you got a lot of the reds and Jack Crevel out there in the surf. Yeah. That'll be a killer on them, kind of bumping it long through there at a decent clip. Yeah, that one. It's on the list of my morning things here. I'm actually. I have a lot of things changing in my life right right now, which I'm, I should be more freaked out about, but I'm overjoyed about it. Um, Don't we all, bro? Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. Um, but I plan on taking that one out on the nine foot and doing, you know, launch it out and work different speeds. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I got to go fast and one to keep it high yeah. in the column. You know, we're going to try different things. But backing up to where I was going with this, when I saw your rig, that rig with a teaser tied, it, it started. To, it started me going down a couple of YouTube holes and starting to look up things on, okay, well, if I wanted to put a teaser on, how do I do it? And then, of course, that led into a whole other hole of fly fish tying, and, of course, you know, mm -hmm. then, then we're screwed. But the the teaser piece really started coming together for me, and you're, you're the reason that that really piqued my interest. And then I started picking up other knowledge um, on teasers and bucktails and, and mm -hmm. linking that all together. And it was like, holy crap, this is a whole different world of fishery. But, mm -hmm. you know, you've also, people, you know, listen to this. I'm sure some of you are like, dude, I've known that for years. Um, right. I, I, way I always think of fishing is, you know, you start at level one and then you creep up and all the way to level 100, you know, you're, you're picking up things along the way. You're not going to get level 100 knowledge on your first day and understand it. No, you know? but, absolutely not. And see, in that teaser... Where I started that, I started it in the bass fishing. And one of the old-timey pioneers of BASS, he fished the very first BASS tournament that was ever put out there. His name is Jack Wingate. He owned Wingate Slunker Lodge down in Lake Seminole. I was down there during uh, one of the tournaments that I fished and told him, you know, I was getting a good morning bite on a, a Zara Spook. And he's like, oh, you got to put feather tail on there. Hmm. He's like, yeah, these fish love that. Okay, so I did, and he wouldn't lie. It it stepped up my spook game 100%. You know, I was doing well with a spook-type pencil walking bait. Anyhow, but adding that little teaser tail, whether it's got, you know, the flash of boo or the deer hair, it puts a different target and a whole different dimension to the bait. And it doesn't matter if it's subsurface, topwater, or bouncing along the bottom. The hair, the 
the flash and everything, if you, the more you can add to it in a lot of aspects, is going to be a plus. Okay. So when you pick up a lure, you see a piece of the lead that you like. You've modified them. I mean, you normally, I guess my question is going to be this. You see a piece of lead that you like, you buy it, and then you modify it. Do you go, if it comes with a treble, do you take the treble off and go to a single inline, or do you keep treble and then tie on from there? Uh, you know, it just, just depends on, A, what I'm fishing for and, you know, type of situation. First thing that I'll do, let's just say a lead spoon, for instance. We all use lead spoons. Depending on the shape of it, the first thing I'm going to do and how I'm fishing it, if I'm like, let it go to the bottom and I'm ripping it up off of the bottom, I want it to flutter back down. I don't want it to just fall straight down. I want it to flutter. So a lot of times I'll take it and kind of bend it and modify it in that aspect to get it to where it get the flutter. Like with salt water, I do like a single hook because even once you've got the the fish tied out, you get them up there, whatever, whether it's Spanish mackerel, ladyfish, bluefish, hardtails. When you put your hands on them, they go. I don't know where they get the energy from after they've already spent and they land on top of the water when you go to pull them up. They get the shakes, I call it, and they will sling a hook in you. So that's why I usually will go to a single hook. And you usually get a better hookup, in my opinion, because it's a wider gap hook. And it has a tendency, because of the diameter of the hook, usually of tearing the fish's mouth less. Whereas a treble hook, You've always got to have a fairly soft tip to keep it from ripping out of the fish. Okay, so it all depends on what you're targeting. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. And like I say, if I'm bouncing the jig a lot and I want a lot of wobble out of it, uh, especially your more flat type spoons, uh, if they're made of lead, of course, obviously, there's some of them out there that are made of steel. You're not going to sit there and just bend that with your hand. Yeah, I know. But the, <laughs> but the lead spoons, yeah, I'll... Uh, I'll definitely, if I'm hopping it off the bottom, it, and it don't take much of a bend. Just a slight bend will create wobble to keep it from falling straight down. Yeah. Uh, even in my days of jigging a spoon on points and stuff like that, bass fishing, I would put a slight bend in those lead spoons that I used, uh, that I bought, and that way it gets a slower descent with that wobble, and it adds action to it, to attract. Okay. Well, you, you've talked a lot here with freshwater fishing and saltwater mm-hmm. fishing. Have you noticed that when fishing, you know, is, is there a main difference in using the lures between the two different types of fishing? Totally. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Freshwater fish, 90% of the time, they want a slow, methodical presentation, especially with your largemouth bass and your crappie. Now, mind you, you get into your, like your striped, spotted bass. Okay. You can get by with faster because they're usually more chasing shad and other bait fish. Largemouth bass is an incredibly lazy fish. They wants to sit back, especially the bigger largemouth bass. They want to sit back and get as easy a meal as they possibly can without having to expend no more energy than they have to. And crappie is the same thing. Saltwater fish, on the other hand, they are a faster breed of fish altogether. It is crazy. You can't, I don't think you can reel a lure fast enough to keep from a Spanish <laughs> mackerel or a ladyfish. I honestly don't think you can reel it fast enough. No. 
They want it. They want it quick, and they want it. They want to be angry and attack it. Mm-hmm. They kill me, you know, because uh, there again, I ain't giving nobody a shout out, but I watch YouTube channels, and they'll be out there throwing that glass minute jig and just burning it back to the boat and just killing like Spanish mackerel, bonita, depending on what they got out there. And I'm talking about you. You think he's fixing to break the handle off? They're really cranking it so hard. And they just be sitting there just smacking them one right after another. Even Mahi, same thing. They like a real fast-moving lure usually. Yeah. Any of the pelagics, you know, pelagics, that's all they do. They move and look. Yeah, they're, they're, they're uh, sight feeders, period, yep. sight feeders. Yeah, aggressive. All right, so we talked about spoons. Uh, we've talked about the goofy jigs. Um, let's see here, diamond jigs. Are there any other types of little jigs or uh, rigs you like to use? Uh, Like I said, we... Well, you know, we didn't discuss that mortician's rig for bottom fishing. Love it. Uh, right. Really do. Uh, on the pier, like I said, you want to, you know, day in, day out, you're going out there on the pier to catch you some Spanish mackerel or just, you know, whatever might be around, whether it's hardtail, ladyfish, bluefish, bonita. It's hard to beat a bubble rig. You know, you buy your little plastic bubble, fill it halfway full of water, tie you about three foot a liter on whether you use a straw or a jerk bait or whatever your preference is behind that bubble rig and just popping it along you you know it, it, it'll catch fishing with proper water clarity now dirty water you know it's it, it does still catch fish in dirty water but you know, usually they're going to be a little bit down in the water column in the dirtier water in my experience doing the pier fishing down there from Gulf Shores it, Gulf Shores does keep a good bit of dirty water thanks to the Mobile Bay and it being situated between the Petito Bay and the Mobile Bay. You get a lot of fresh water coming into the salt water, so unless you've got a good incoming tide, you're usually going to be fighting dirty water down there on that pier. Yeah, yeah, that's quite brackish. But I've had a lot of fun. Oh, I've caught a lot of fish off of that pier. And, you know, I can remember as a Younger man going down there, say in my teens, early 20s, I just was not very successful on the pier. <clears throat> and there wouldn't be a whole lot of people actually even on the pier fishing. The last 10, 15 years is when I've actually stepped up my game for pier fishing and saltwater fishing in general. More people be down there, you know. I see somebody that's wearing a fish out, okay? And, and I would recommend this to anybody there's something about my brain that can compute almost instantly and mimic somebody's presentation not everybody can do that i definitely have that knack of being able to and sit back and watch them if they're catching fish watch them you know you ask them questions on the pier most of the time uh i've had tons of help from some really 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 good fishermen out there uh, just asking a couple of questions. Hey, what you using? And even your line size makes a world of difference when it comes to saltwater fishing, depending on the water clarity. That's where it gets really important is the water clarity. Uh, Navarre, obviously, beautiful crystal clear water most of the time. Gulf Shores, every now and then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but I've fished Navarre Pier, uh, on occasions and stuff like that. I've caught fish there. And like I said, I've caught endless fish on the Gulf Shores Pier. 
Yeah. You've been getting after from, it, that's for sure. From king mackerel, bonita, Spanish mackerel. Uh, my first pompano I ever caught come off of the Good Shore State Park Pier. Uh, you know, and whiting, flounder, my biggest flounder I ever hooked. And, oh, I still have nightmares about that big rascal. He was a show enough doormat. I would guess him 24 inches, but I couldn't. I didn't get him up. Nobody else on the pier early morning, only one there. I'm reaching, trying to get to my net to let it down. And he, of course, I got him up to the top of the water. He shakes, poop, spits him. And it's gone. Spits my jig. Now I'm like, oh, I just sat down for a while. <laughs> I just sat there for a while. That's depressing right there. Well, this is actually the perfect time now that you're talking about that. It is your second bait check of the episode. This bait check has been brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to ninjatackleva.com and take a look at all the gear that they've gotten there. They've got what we've been talking about in this episode. They've got the Ninja Daggers running all the way from the go-to 7-footer. I love that rod. Up to 12-footers, he got them all set up. But if you want another set of rods, they've got some other ones in there. Reels, he's got a bunch. Accios, all covered through that. Or if you need to get into the tactical game, he's got all set up for optics or for different types of firearms and other sub-assembly components. We can't talk about it too much, but you can go look. <laughs> Head on over to NinjaTackleVA.com. Take a look at all the gear he's got. Quick shipping and superb customer service as always. Well, now that we've pulled into these, and you're talking about losing big fish, which is, oh, it's painful. Oh. It hurts the right. soul. We know that. <clears throat> With your, have you noticed a difference really when it comes to throwing jigs? Because I'm gonna next we're gonna move into how you do it. Um, mm-hmm. But have you noticed anything? That is a, hey, man, this really helps when you're using lures or jigs for not losing fish. Any technique? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, split rings and barrel swivels are definitely a friend because like that three-ounce diamond jig you're talking about, it's yeah. got a really beefy split ring on it. Yeah. Uh, and unlike, say, the goofy jig, the hook is molded into the lead. Okay. Diamond jigs, you've got the hook where it swings freely. With that swinging hook, a lot of people may argue this, but it's less likely to pull than that of a hook that is molded in and solid because it allows that lead to kind of move a little more freely as opposed to it's more of a cantilever type situation. If it's molded in, you got that cantilever. If it's on a barrel swivel or a split ring, okay, it moves some and the hook might not move quite as much. So it does help on the uh, keeping the fish pinned when you've got the split rings or the uh, swivels. Okay. Definitely. Most definitely. And, of course, softer tip of a rod help alleviate some of that too. Makes sense. All right, let's talk about how you throw these things. So we've really went in depth here earlier with all the pieces that we've talked about with these different types and the kinds you like. Now, I have learned recently a little bit more about how to throw these, and it's made a huge difference for me because before, if I didn't have those conversations in these other episodes, I would still be failing and throwing it the worst possible ways. You've been after it for a while. What is your... (laughs) Yeah, you know. (laughs) Um, How do you recommend fishing just jigs in general in the surf. How do you do it? 
Well, as far as like the cast itself, like I said, I use about a three, about a three foot, two to three foot liter. Uh, uh, like I say, usually I use mono more than I do fluorocarbon because mono you get a little more stretch than you do the fluoro, and you definitely need that because my main line is always going to be brain. And the FG knot, I have not quite got it mastered, but now the double uni knot, which is what I usually join my two lines together. I'm just, I don't know, I'm OCD. I do not like that knot coming up into my eyelids because, I don't know, just in my mind, I'm going to knock out my eyelet ring if yep. I'm not careful with that. Yep. So I've got the lure dangling, say, three foot below my rod. Well, you try to cast that on a just a, a traditional overhead cast, you're going to hit yourself in the back of the head eventually, especially when you load that rod up real good. I do a pendulum cast. I'll kind of get it swing a little bit. And then I go with it. And I do my set rigs a lot like that too. Uh, that or, you know, I lay the set rig actually on the beach, walk out, and that way I ain't got to worry about it hit me in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> but the pendulum on the jigs seems to really help with the distance, in my personal opinion. And, you know, if it works, it works. I'm always open for new and better ways, but. Then, like I say, you just let it go all the way to the bottom on those jigs, especially the goofy jigs for pompano, you know, bounce it. And depending on species, with the diamond jig or the uh, other lead jigs that you would be throwing for, you know, your other pelagics or redfish, uh, whatever it may be, you know, it might be a situation where you want it to be deeper, but maybe not on the bottom. So you, you just vary your retrieve. It's with everything, it's all about presentation. Uh, obviously, you can catch king mackerel, reds, jack crabal, uh, even even bonita, and possibly even cobia, all on the same diamond jigs and or lures. And although it can just be very the presentation in itself, whether you're going faster, slower, or whatever. Shoot, I was sitting down there on the pier uh, about six years ago, and the king mackerel run was just crazy down there on the Gulf Shores Pier that, that particular day. Everybody was hooking up. You know, it wasn't nothing for it to be three or four king mackerel hookups at a time. And that gets chaotic. And there was one lady that was steadily taking a, it was like a pink and chrome gotcha plug. And she's throwing it out, letting it go all the way to the bottom, and she's just reeling it in slow. You know, and I'm sitting here, watching, you guys are like, hey, you got to speed that up. You got to move it. You got to jig it. You got to. And she didn't pay them no little bit of attention. And next thing you know, she's hooked up on King Mackerel. Just, wow. just reeling it slow, not getting in no hurry. Of course, she never landed one, but I watched her lose about four or five uh, gotcha plugs to King Mackerel. I mean, she was obviously doing something right because it was working. Hey. Can't argue with that. No. Not one little bit, but, you know, and she did. She uh, hooked up, I know, at least four times on uh, King Mackerel, and really good King Mackerel, too. Of course, she was not using the standard tackle, you know. Uh, I'm usually using a nine-foot rod or better out there catching kings. I think she might have had a seven-and-a-half, seven-foot, basically what I'd be throwing a pompano. Yeah, <laughs> uh, small, yeah, and and like a thirty five hundred size reel, so you know, 
definitely getting outgunned on a fish compared to tackle. Yeah. One of the things I learned when I was uh, having the episode with Beach Bomb Lures was, you know, left to right, work the clock. You know, start out at 10 and 10, 30, 11, 11, 30, 12. Make that arch because you're going to hit all the different distances and zones and you're going to be retrieving and then the speed of that retrieve. Do you do kind of the same thing or are you just, hey, that's my line. I'm going for there. All right, that didn't work. I'm going to walk down. Now I'm going to fire again. Now, especially uh, flounder fishing. Flounder fishing, now fan cast the area uh, because you may have a, optimal spot where they should be okay that don't mean they're going to be there but but definitely fan cast especially you know flats uh stuff like that you got a good trough out there in front of you you know you want to cover that whole trough because that flounder could be sitting anywhere in that trough waiting on the bait fish you just really never know where they're going to be usually you're going to need some kind of a break whether it's a point coming out there from where that trough is, a sandbar, uh, you know, something like that. But yeah, fan casting definitely for the uh, flounder. Yeah, and you got to be kind of mobile if you're fishing for them from the surf. Uh, some days you can catch them looked up, you know, find you a hole where you might pull a Alabama limit out of one uh, trough, one hole. The other day you might walk six miles up and down the beach and not catch them they're just not there or they're not biting huh. now pompano on the other hand i'll do a bit of that fan cast but not quite the array that i would for pompano jigs pompano i'll cover about a 45 degree angle and if i'm not nothing there i move on down say 40 50 yards or find me another uh whether it's a a rip current or something another uh, another point coming out where you got some deeper water close by breaking the sandbar whatever and i just you know just kind of methodically hit those areas man all right so it's, we're all pretty much doing the exact same thing man that works yeah. okay oh yeah so just keep following no, those no techniques. secret there <laughs> no <clears throat> all right. you just main thing is you just gotta see what the fish want uh any given day they're gonna want it one hop Next day, you may have to hop that jig up three times. Two days from later, you may have to drag it on the bottom. You really don't know. And and that's the same like between flounder and pompano, in my experience. Okay. Uh, there's a lot better anglers out there that's done it a lot more than I have. But, you know, I've, I kind of grew up somewhat down there in the Foley Gulf Shores area because that's where my great-grandparents uh, lived. Uh, that's where I got my saltwater fishing feet wet was from my great-grandfather uh, going out there in the back bays and stuff an old fiberglass boat with a 40 horsepower Johnson that might push that boat 15 mile an hour because that old fiberglass boat was so heavy <laughs> but, but we get out there and you cut bait fed shrimp catch croaker white trout uh, on occasion look up catch flounder uh, you know just out there looking for food yeah well we've been talking for a good hour here so let's yep. i'm gonna reel you in here for the end get you get you back on your day because you're on your you time have to, man i'll uh I'll, I'll wrap over hours and hours fishing me hey, it doesn't bother me i do this with you <laughs> you know this you and i get on the phone i know it's going to be an hour long i know that and i, uh, I love every well, minute you know, of it i apologize for being so long-winded 
Oh, you weren't long-winded at all, man. Not even a bit. It was perfect. I mean, every answer you gave always had a point. And you've always been that way every time I've talked to you. So, um, well, I'm not going to make up nothing, that's for sure. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I don't know what I ain't going to spit it. So new, so uh, somebody getting into the game, brand new, mm-hmm. into the fishing game, what is a recommendation mm-hmm. that you do before they even try start fishing? Uh, oh, well, you know, everybody will tell you, educate yourself, definitely. Uh, whether it's by watching the YouTube, talking to people that do it, or sit back watching the YouTube videos. Educate yourself, learn what species you might be interested in. It would amaze you what I have learned on Google about specific species. I go to and I'll Google and get on Wikipedia and like Pompano, I pop Pompano in, I learn their habits. I'll read it. Read their habits, what they're feed on. Same thing, King Mackerel, Flounder. I've done it to all the saltwater species that I have pretty much talked about, except, you know, Spanish, I meant uh, ladyfish and uh, hardtails. And, of course, catfish. Nobody wants to really catch those fish unless they need some bait or something other, but <laughs> those are just kind of byproduct of what you're trying to get, hoping to get. But educate, educate, read, watch, learn, uh, and, you know, Depending on each individual person, you have to, you know, me, I'm kind of a budget fisherman. I've got some decent equipment, but I have a habit of getting on the internet, surfing the web, and finding me my very best deals on the equipment that I've got. Except for the short time that I did work for Bass Pro Shop last year, so I got a good 45% discount. So, yeah, I bought me a couple of the uh, offshore angler rods, which are pretty good. but at a really good discounted price, mind you, which they're not expensive to begin with, but you just imagine 45% off of whatever that cost was on the sticker price. I would say all in all, braided line will save them a lot of money for one reason. You don't have to change it out every year unless you just absolutely fish a ton. I've got some braided line out there on some of my rods that's been on there three or four years. I'll test it. I'll check it and make sure it's good. And if like the part that I've been using looks not necessarily to my liking, may still be plenty of strong. Well, I'll just take another reel, back spool it off of one reel onto another one. Hey, you got brand new braided line you ain't never touched down there in the bottom of that reel. And so you're starting over basically with brand new uh, braided fishing line. And it can last on a reel two, three years, depending on how much you truly fish and how much you get broke off and you lose. Yeah, but yeah, just watch all your equipment. You know, you ain't necessarily if you got the money. Okay, go buy the best. <laughs> it ain't gonna hurt, but you can get by with uh, budget fishing day in day out. You know, your less expensive uh, reels, rods. You can use freshwater reels. I am OCD. When I get done fishing within an hour, I am rinsing my tackle down with fresh water. Uh, well, if I'm on the pier, before I walk off the pier, they've got hoses there on the Gulf Shore State Park pier that's got fresh water. I'm washing my rod from the tip to the butt, and I really concentrate on the reel and the lures that were, or rigs, whatever I've got tied on. 
uh, making sure that I get all the salt water if possible off of those so I'm not getting rust and corrosion. Solid. Solid recommendations and knowledge right there to keep. Right. And I've seen a lot of guys, you know, they'll take bottled water with them to the beach just to wrench their reels off before they leave. I'm sure you probably do that too. I do that a little bit different. I have a rinse down kit that I haven't really put a lot of word out there. I've, I've built a few for some friends and I'm coming up with an idea on that. So, hey, podcast people, just keep your eye on because it might come out. Who knows? You got to, you got to, even, even those that are rated sealed, you still need to rinse them down with fresh water. Salt water is bad on any of them. And I've got fresh water reels that I've been using for years and they still perform flawlessly because I've taken the care to clean that salt water and keep sand out of them. That's smart. Well, thank you so much, JC, for coming on, man. I appreciate Absolutely. you. And I'm glad we finally got to do this episode. Yeah, we've been talking about it for about a year now. It's something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all right. You, you've been a busy, busy man, and, you know, life is what life is. you got to do what you got to do when you can do it. Yeah, go, life gets in our way, that's for sure. But uh, I appreciate it. I know you'll still be on, you know, the Alabama piece, uh, Alabama Surf Fishing and the Panhandle Surf Fishing page. I know you're always dropping knowledge on there. So thank you for always doing that, and thanks yes, for sir. everything you do, man. I'm glad y'all got those for, you know, because I learn a lot from them myself. <laughs> yeah, I do too. <laughs> All right, buddy, I'll be talking to you soon. All right, Brian, I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you. We'll talk soon. See ya. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. We just had an excellent episode with JC Peoples. I hope you were taking notes because I was taking a ton. I've got a full page here, and I am definitely going to be moving a lot of these tips and tricks into my game so that way I can get better at lure uh, lure fishing. It's the only way we can get better, right? If you like this episode, don't forget, share it out to people. Uh, if you would like, follow me. I'd love it if you did. That way you get that, and you can stream these from your favorite podcast app you can also stream it from my webpage findingdemosurfishing.com or my transistor hosting page go on from that you can find me on all social media platforms facebook instagram tiki talk uh, i'm on there i'm not on twitch yet and i'm not on only fans yet but you know that might change it won't change let's be honest so <laughs> thanks for always being here i appreciate you you've been listening to finding demo surf fishing we'll see you next week i am out of here <laughs>